0: You're listening to Live from My Mother's Basement with me, Mike Marino. Did we go? Did we go? We did. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Live from My Mother's Basement. I say that with a lot of strength tonight because I'm in the real basement. We're not on tour. And not only am I in the basement going to talk about old school, Oh shit! Well, I'm with an old school soul from the original area where I was born. It's called Jersey City, New Jersey, the Marion section. We're gonna find out exactly what that all means from my guest tonight, Tony Monty. Hey, Yo, Mike. what's up, man? Right, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the basement, folks. We have a long history of friendship and uh, uh, and and the love of old school things the way things used to be. So that's going to be the topic of a conversation that we're going to have tonight while we have some fun with my friend Tony. We would decide tonight what we were going to write about what Tony is. What does he do? Where what what's the the lifelong, Uh, I don't even know job. And he couldn't even give me the answer that I was looking for because I kept thinking the music business. But it is the music business. Maybe just not exactly what I thought it was. Am I right?
1: Well, yes. uh, You're not the first person to say about me being a producer. I fortunately was able to mix some records for some pretty well-known artists. But the majority of my career was in marketing and promotion.
0: All right. We're going to hear a lot of really cool shit that's going to come from Tony, Tony Monte. Um, There's an area in New Jersey called Jersey City. This is for the people who are watching from different parts of the country and around the world. I used to do a joke about it. I said I was from a small area in Italy called Jersey City, which could have a lot of truth to it because there are a lot, and at one time probably a lot more, Italian people, certain areas. I can't really explain uh, the areas as well as Tony's going to, but why don't we go back in time, and I'm on Wallace Avenue. We just mentioned it before because there's a My father's bartending license is right behind me. He bartended at my grandfather's. That's money. Oh, I forgot to say that. Thank you so much, whoever just did that. We're going to figure it out. You can pay us to do this little podcast tonight. And whenever we hear that bell, we will do a shout-out to who rang that bell. We love making money. So we just made a dollar. Okay. Yes. Not even five minutes into the show, we made a dollar. This show is going to crank. I would love to hear that bell again. Ding-a-ling-a-ling. And then we're And going to take in some questions and answers in a little while, too. I, I, I see the excitement. So many people are writing in very quickly, which is cool. Good, good. Jersey City yes. had to be one of the coolest places to grow up. Everybody knew everybody. Uh, you could have a boatload of friends in one building. Uh, my grandmother's building had, I think, 12 units. I think everybody was related to each other and we were all really good friends. If you had to go trick or treat and you didn't even have to leave the stoop, you just went uh, trick or treat and people just threw candy at you, right? Am true. I right? That's true. So, uh, where were you born exactly?
1: Uh, in in Marion section.
0: In the Marion well, section? And
1: Actually, in Elizabeth in the hospital. I probably was one of the few people from Marion that wasn't born in Margaret Hague. For really? whatever reason, yes. How'd that well, happen? I don't know. Elizabeth Never is a distance. Yeah, I don't know. But um, that's what it says on my birth certificate, so that's what it is. More money!
0: Send <laughs> that cash, you sons of bitches. Thank you. That sounded like a $5, a $5 one. $5. Okay. You five.
1: know, you, you mentioned, too, about where you lived on Wall Street Avenue. In Jersey City, actually, was family. Marion section, as a whole, was family. Till this day, there's a bond between all of us who grew up and, uh, and and lived in Marion until we can we can go years without seeing each other. And the minute you connect eyes with one of the people that we grew up with, there's just that that bond. I went to see you, as you well know, a few weeks ago uh, in Newark and another outstanding performance, I may say. Thank you. And uh, in the lobby, I see Louis Barone and Bernie Kranicki. And I hadn't seen them in years. And there were guys from the neighborhood and you just pick up where you left off the last time you saw each other. And that's just how the neighborhood was. No one locked their doors. In fact, I've I've had this conversation with some people. I don't ever remember seeing police officers patrol the neighborhood, ever. I don't ever remember seeing that. We were taught that if there was ever an issue, you go down to the bar and somebody will take care of whatever the issue might be. And that's how we grew up. My grandfather's bar. Yeah, that was that was how people looked out for each other. And the funny thing is, you can have some friction or static with people in the neighborhood, which generally would be resolved. But if anyone from outside the neighborhood had friction with the person you didn't care for, you'd defend them. That's just how it works.
0: Yeah, that's like you, you got picked on by a bully on the block, and you didn't like him. But if somebody from around the corner picked on that guy, you stuck up for him. Isn't that weird how it worked that way? Yeah. Now you just ride him out on TikTok. And it's such bullshit. The way the world has changed. It's funny that you knew people who were at the show because I can't yeah. think of who that is. Oh yeah, Barone.
1: Yeah, yeah Louis Barone. Bonnie and Barone. Bernie. I know Lord Bonnie Barone. Barone. And Bernie Quinicky. And uh, you saw them in the uh, in the lobby, or as we used to say, the vestibule. Oh yes, the vestibule. They were in
0: the vestibule. Yes. yes. What the hell is vestibule? Is that Italian? <laughs> I think that's Italian think for so. the lobby.
1: Yeah, well, it ends with a vowel, so. Maybe. Yeah,
0: it's in the vestibule. <laughs> How cool
1: is that? But you know you look at that from the neighborhood and you look at people who have gone and achieved a certain amount of success outside the neighborhood. And you think of Frank
0: money, (laughs) more money that had to be at least a quarter. We are getting rich on this show. All right, wait a minute. Let's just see who it is. (laughs) If money better be coming in from a different area. It's Mike Marino. He sent 200 cents, 200 cents. Thank you, Mike Marino. Send me more money just to let me know that you can hear me. <laughs> this is hilarious, mate. Oh, wait. There's Camariri Zeppelin mix. Camariri. thank you, Camariri. Zambuka shots. You want a shot? No, I'm not. No. With <laughs> it's just hilarious. All right, but well, thank you very much. And um, if you guys want to order some of the Zeppelin mix, that's... <laughs> <laughs> wait. Let's see how much money that was. Send me big money, another 200 cents, <laughs> <There you laughs> keep go. the videos coming. <laughs> well, with all this money that we're making, we're going to keep this shit running along, all right? There you go. Hey, Carteret Pack, how you doing? Well, that's weird. Hey, everybody at the Carteret Pack. I will be performing at the Carteret Pack in 2023. Can you say March 25? I can't believe I know my dates. That is four months away, but that that would be cool. Maybe Barone and Karitsky will come. Karitsky. Hey, um, let's do a quick shout-out yes. to my friend. Um, and you saw at NJPAC, he was there. Joe Camariri, mm-hmm. who's responsible for sponsoring that show, a bunch of other shows, and showing everybody that you don't have to go to an Italian festival, you can get Zapplers at home just by going to ZapplerMix.com, use promo code Mike Live, and you get yourself 15% off. So if you're looking to get some of that Zappler Mix for Christmas, now would be a That's good time, time to order it. Thank you very much. Nobody, I was, I was hoping I was going to hear a bell right at that moment.
1: Do you remember the feasts? Of course. I still go.
0: Right? I of course. Go. We all still go to a yeah, feast. Yeah. But the feast in uh, Jersey City was Mount Carmel. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm talking about. I still go every the, year. Yeah, I, I haven't been there in 100 yeah, years. I Don't miss it. And I know exactly who I'm going to see. Anybody else will be a bonus. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's great. I
0: can, um, I can remember. I went to Mount Carmel. I forgot where I went to kindergarten. I actually had the same teacher for kindergarten my dad had. Really? Her name was Miss McCorney.
1: 23 school, maybe?
0: Well, it wasn't it wasn't Mount Carmel. Yeah, up the street. It was up the street.
1: Yeah. 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 Remember how scary school yeah. was in this city. Yeah. I was petrified. You know, let me mention something about the feast. The feast really tied the whole neighborhood together, as, as you well know, as I'm sure it does in a lot of Italian uh, communities. and. I remember it was my, my mother's funeral mass, and she was last down the shore, but of course, back to Jersey City for a funeral mass at Mount Carmel, and I'm coming out, and I see this, this yellow guy standing on the sidewalk, and it's Frank Manzo, who I loved to death, hadn't talked to in a while, coached him in basketball, coached him in Little League, and he's there crying, and I says, Frankie, I, says, I, I could not not miss this. And I said, you know, from this day on, we don't go more than a handful of weeks without talking with each other. And we've always kept in touch. Frank and his family, who still live in Marion, they're on Wright Avenue, are very involved in the, in the feast. And I said to him one time, I said, you know, Frankie, my, my father took such pride in carrying the Blessed Mother around the neighborhood. And the you know, people would pin the money and donate to the church and so forth. He says, you want to do that? And the last couple of years, and I was on crutches one year um, with maybe a block I carried. But uh, I've done that in honor of my father, in honor of our uh, lady Mount Carmel. And it's something I won't miss. And thank you, Frankie and the Manziel family. And uh, it's just something that we grew up with.
0: You're like, you carry
1: it now. You, yes. You're one, you're one, one of, of, the people, of the guys. Yes, one of the guys.
0: The well, only time I ever got to carry the uh, Feast of San Gennaro Saint was in Los Angeles. OK. When we created the Feast of San Gennaro, Los Angeles, and I'll never forget it, when the first, the second year, it was the third year. The third year, they allowed us to carry it down Hollywood Boulevard. Was it Hollywood? Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Jimmy Kimmel show, because Jimmy Kimmel, Adam Carolla had their name on it. And so you had all the goombas from New York and New Jersey carrying it, and it was gorgeous because, of course, what are you going to find in Hollywood? A set designer. The set <laughs> designer made the whole thing. And it looked like it was something out of The yeah. Godfather. So we're going down the street. And it just felt great because here we are on um, Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And you see everybody watching us go. They thought we were making a movie. Yeah. I was, was just right. We were just coming. really for the feast? No, nah. it was for the okay. feast. Okay. We weren't filming at all. We were actually coming from a church. And that church, which was a Catholic church, Everybody in the front that was dressed in like the white and the and the red, yes, yes. Um, they were all Mexican. Really? Yeah. Well, Catholic. Yeah. band. Well, Catholic. Well? Yeah, the band no, well? no, no, we had an Italian yeah. band. They were horrible. Pan, <laughs> pan, <laughs> you know, it sounded like shit. And uh, I swear, everybody was taking pictures, like, oh, they must be making a movie. I'm like no, actually, it. We're going yes. to a feast. It it, yeah. At eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Man, what a good. Old, but I remember yeah. being at the feast in Mount Carmel because after kindergarten, we went to Mount Carmel. And it's a Catholic school, so you got to wear a uniform, yes. a little clip-on tie. Remember <laughs> the clip-on? Clip, on? clip on ties, yeah. And in uh, the gray pants, <laughs> yep. the pockets on the side it was kind of cool. It was a little badass, yeah. right? Yeah. And then if you were bad during lunch, you had to stand against the gate. The fence, yes. The fence,
1: yes. And who put you there? The patrol boys and the patrol girls. That I don't remember. Yes. That's who put you on the Is fence. Is that the ones that wear the thing with the thing sash? Exactly. I'll put <laughs> you against fence. the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you cried. <laughs> Why'd you have to have detention? And you couldn't get bailed out either.
0: You had to wait till that bell rang. We grew up in a neighborhood where your neighbors could discipline you. And if they did, you were going to get hit even harder when your parents found out. Sure. Because what did you do so bad <laughs> that the neighbor had to discipline you? And it wasn't a relative. It was just some guy down the block. My my father used to say all the time, uh I want to talk to you about something. Josephine's kid from down the block said that you got slapped in the face by the father. Yeah? Now, before I slap you in the face again, tell me, what did you do? <laughs> exactly. You know, it wasn't they <laughs> no, went over there to no, kill the guy because no. he hit the kid. Yeah. You did something. You did something wrong for them to do it. You were protected yeah. by the whole yeah. neighborhood. Yeah.
1: But it was it was that kind of neighborhood, and we stood behind each other, and it was a lot of pride. And I'm sure people outside of our neighborhood feel this as well. And some people actually went on, I shouldn't say actually, but some people went on to some um, this incredible success. When you look at someone like Frankie Infante who is an incredible and still is an incredible musician and his love of music and playing with local bands like World War III. I don't know if he was in Jump Street at the time, but wound up being the guitarist in Blondie and still plays. You know, look at, look at Johnny Frieda who was the pride of Marion stepped in that boxing ring, and whenever we can, we went to those those boxing matches, and you were there. And
0: he's he's it, been sending out videos now of I him sh- back in the day. Was that great? Yep. Yeah, it looks like Rocky. Yeah, and he's, what a different body type he what he is now compared to what he was then. It's unbelievable. But
1: you just you just really rooted for them. And if there wasn't onto that level of notoriety, I mentioned before with, with Frankie Manzo, here's a guy who's police officer. He wound up going to the fire department, and he was just named Captain. And it's the same kind of pride you have in those people who really follow what's in their heart, and they achieve something. And if they don't do it that way, you had a lot of pride and support for the mothers and the grandmothers and the fathers and all that. It was that type of place. Wouldn't give it up for the world.
0: Did you call it the stoop?
1: This, Of course. The of stoop. Course. Yeah. I didn't
0: think there was anything else but a stoop. It was a stoop. The stoop is the steps in the front of your house that everybody sits on and meets and greets.
1: Now, you were in Wallace, right? It was Wallace, Wallace, where were you? Going back, Giles. Wallace, uh, Wallace, uh, Wright, uh, Wales, and Giles. You can go down those four streets, and you had to go slow if you were driving because there was kids all over every street. Yeah. Go down I, the street now and see how many kids you find playing in the street.
0: None, right? None. I remember one time a car went down Wallace Avenue very quickly and my father was outside sweeping. He took that broom and threw it right at the fucking car. <laughs> guy got out of the car and goes, I'll give you two seconds to get back in your fucking car. And everybody came out of the house. I'm like, oh, that's it. Daddy's going to kill this guy. Wait, that was your father? <laughs> 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 Good for you, man. Uh, I miss it. man. Yeah. My grandmother owned that building and how these immigrants from Italy ended up achieving those goals, I have no idea. Mm-hmm and all their first languages was Italian. You know, my grandmother on my father's side owned the building, but my mother's side lived in the building. My mom married a guy before my father. She knew my father, but she didn't marry my father, obviously, at that time. She married some guy who died at 21 in a car accident. So my mother was a widow for a year. And my father, who lived in the building, was looking at my mother like, wow, I might as well give it a shot. And they ended up getting mad. Isn't
1: that amazing? Thankfully.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, Yeah. because then there would be no me. (laughs) And that's how I ended up getting (laughs) blonde hair and blue eyes, because my mother's side of the family, they do have dark hair and dark eyes. But my mother has green eyes and blonde hair. My father's blue eyes and blonde hair. So that's how me and my two brothers Mm
1: You know, if I may say on your mother, I'm sure she was a great cook. I've never had her food, but I'm sure. But every year when you post that video of you and her filmed right in this basement, I watch it every year and enjoy it just as much. Yeah.
0: Sad how that all came down. I was lucky enough to be playing the Bergada in Atlantic City, but we weren't just playing there. We were filming a special. So the camera crew stayed here. At least the director and the producer were staying here in my house. And I said to him, listen, let's get some behind-the-scenes footage of my mom and my dad. Let's do something funny. So I had my mother come downstairs, and I says, uh, all right, we're going to react a scene in Goodfellas. And I said to the director, she's not going to do what you tell her. That's what I want. Don't don't push her to do it. Let her do what she wants. So every time we would do the scene, she would turn around and go, well, why would I say that? <laughs> she didn't That's let the- down. And it was priceless. It was perfect, yes. Because I remember when I go like this, I said, uh, I says, Mom, uh, could I borrow this knife, mm-hmm. which is from the scene? Yeah. You know, yeah. And she goes, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> which had nothing to do with exactly. the good fellas. And I says, oh, there's yeah. a loose screw upstairs. She goes, I'm going <laughs> to tighten your brain. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that was at what we called the kids' table back in the day, yeah. which is right over there. Mm-hmm. And did you grow up in the kids' table? I that's where you had to start. And, and I would tell people all the time, someday we're going to get to sit at the adult's table, but we have to wait for somebody to die. And you were a grown-up <laughs> when you got there. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> could somebody die already? I want to sit at the <laughs> Now you could take those words back for damn sure, right? Yeah. yeah so growing up in Jersey City, obviously you started to make your way into what we call the city, mm-hmm. which would be Manhattan for people who don't understand what I'm talking about. Jersey City had uh, a subway or a path train that would take you into the city in no time.
1: 25 cents.
0: Yeah, and you paid your turnstile back in the day. So when you graduated high school, is that when you decided you wanted to be in the
1: industry? Uh, You know, uh, I'm an only child. And I always looked at music as my brothers and sisters, and I used to sleep with a little transistor radio under my pillow and listen to the WMC Good Guys and WABC radio. And I knew I always wanted to do something in the arts, and if it wound up being music, great. And uh, I went to Jersey, Hudson Catholic High School, then Jersey City State College, but always knew I wanted to be connected to music. And um, my love of music, before I ever got into it, was going to see bands and whether they were local bands or some of the bigger bands. And you know, one of the things that was kind of a road marker in my life, my first three concerts were the Rolling Stones, The Who, and Led Zeppelin. Where do you go after that? I was very fortunate. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Billy Joel, <laughs> Springsteen maybe?
1: The, uh, where, where would you go today? <laughs> um, and, uh, and later on, The Who was always my favorite band. And, and after Keith Moon died, they reformed with Kenny Jones, and this is I think 1979, and they did seven shows just to get back to play in the United States. Two were in the Capitol Theater in Passaic, and there were five at the Garden. I went to all seven shows. After the two in the Capitol Theater, I got to know what the set list was So the first show at the Garden. As we're going up to Journal Square, you get in that concourse before you get in the past train, I wind up buying a bottle of champagne, I'll never forget this, for $2.95 put it in a bag, and snuck it into Madison Square Garden. But I also had this in mind, and I wrote a note to Roger Daltrey, how I thought it was great for them to get back after Kenny Jones died and how I was such a fan. And as they're coming off the stage, I'm leaning over in the uh, the load section, and I happen to get his attention, leaning down and holding the band, and he, the, the, uh, the uh, bottle, and he sees it and walks over and goes like this, like drop it. And I first took the note out of my pocket, which was in an envelope. I dropped it down, he caught it. I dropped the bottle, he caught it, gave me a thumbs up and went back. I'm a teen, I was in high school. Comes back out, he's got my note in his hand, points up to me. They're on stage doing an encore. I guess it's about 70, 78, 79. And the guy who he gave it to was his assistant, name is Doug Clark. Waves me down, he asks me if that's me. And I says, Roger, thought this was a great gesture and wants you to be his guest after the show. And I'm a kid, really, a teenager in high school and brings me backstage and I walk in this room and the who, my music heroes, are all standing there or sitting around in different places. And it was a night that I never forgot. And by the fifth night of the garden, I had the pictures that I took developed. Now, in those days, there was no one-hour film. You had to go to Photomat or wherever you went to, the Silver Rods on Journal Square. Or Twelve or whatever. days. Yeah. But by the last night, I got the pictures back. So I go to the show early. I see this guy, Doug, milling around the stage, getting everything ready before the show. And I get his attention because the garden wasn't filled at the time. And I, uh, he sees me, comes over, and I says, Doug, I, said, I don't know if you remember me. I says, but I took pictures uh, in the dressing room. I just want to give them to you as a thank you. He says, well, you're not allowed to take pictures in the dressing room. I said, well, nobody told me that. He goes, meet me here after the show. He brings me backstage again. This is the last night. And um, Kenny Jones was looking at my pictures, and he hadn't seen many pictures of him with the band because he was new to the band, and he asked me if I could, if I would sell him some. Are you kidding me? I said, just take them. He said, no, I don't want to take your pictures. He introduced me to their manager here in the United States. I wound up touring the United States with the Who, going to England with them, Going through Canada, I w- I wound up going to Jersey City State College, and had Roger Daltrey do an interview for a college radio station, and uh, that's when I knew I said I have to do something in music. And so I they took you me. on
0: tour as a what?
1: Didn't take me on tour. They took I was a guest, and any time I wanted to go, their manager would set me up. When I went to England, they got me a place out there, and did about four shows in England, and it was uh, I have a book that I've taken of all off-stage pictures of them that Roger used to call the family album. And Is it out where people go buy it? No, no, it's my book. I've never, I've never posted one. I've never sold a picture. Oh, but yeah, fun, you're a better man than I am. There's, if there's, I had those I kind I of pictures, I'd, I'd sell that book. There's one funny story. There's a picture I took of Roger and his wife. I don't remember where it was. It was either in Connecticut or it was in England. Not that they're close by, but I just can't remember where I took it. And when Roger wrote his book, uh, Thank You, Mr. Kibbleworth, kind of it's an autobiography I was reading about it before it was released and as I'm looking online I'm seeing my picture I'm saying how the hell did they get that picture because I'd never posted it never gave it to anyone I said the only person I ever gave that to was Roger and his wife liked it so I don't know how they got it this was in the UK Sun I believe and then I saw it was in another interview when they Roger was interviewing with um, with someone they actually showed pictures and my picture comes out again I buy the book. It's in the book. See, so, so you should have
0: did what I said, sold the well, book.
1: not only did I, I didn't get paid for it, but at least he gave me credit. So oh, did I he? thought that was us, yes. Photo by yes. Tony Monty. Yes, so.
0: Send us money, he needs money know. for the book that he never got <laughs> paid to, to put out. But that's great stories, yeah. and I'm, yeah. I'm glad that that all happened to you.
1: But, but the point of that story was that's how I knew I had to be in the music industry, and that's what led me to it.
0: Well, what do you think about the music today? Uh, well, but let's go to the news, okay? Because we did okay. see something in the news today by some uh, a music artist that won a lot of Emmys and Tonys or whatever the fuck it was that she got, and then she got shot in the foot by a rapper, and now they're going to court. As far as I'm concerned, I miss the 80s. I miss, there was, a, there were songs, there was uh, lyrics to the song. The song told a story. You can listen to it and say, oh my God, I remember when I met that girl, I was listening to that song. Now I listen to songs about, I don't know, this girl's talking about how mop makes a reminder or what pussy is some shit like this. And you got to sit through that. And today I went into what used to be a quick check. Now it's a Mighty Mart. And when it was a quick check, they played great music. You couldn't wait to go in there. Everybody said hello to each other. It was fun. It's actually fun to go to the quick check, get a pork leg and cheese on a hard roll. You see somebody that you knew. Now some new people bought it. They changed it from a quick check to a something, something mart. And you go in there and they're playing music that makes you want to stab people in the throat. It really, it just, it, I was so aggravated. I was in there, I'm like, can hurry up and give me my sandwich because this music makes me want to jump off a fucking building. Bing, 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 bing. It wasn't even in English. And yeah, I'm going to say that. It was in another language and it was disgusting. So, you know, in my sarcastic little way, I said to the guy behind the counter, hey, this is great. Where'd you get this music? Is this a station that I could dial into? And I guess that look let him know maybe we shouldn't be playing this shit in this neighborhood because it's garbage. It's garbage. It makes you want to fight. You ever go to an Abercrombie Fitch and they're playing music so loud and all you can smell is the cologne that they're spraying on the clothes. I'm like, who's buying clothes in here? And how do you buy clothes these days? What do you say? Do you got any jeans that wouldn't even fit a five-year-old? That's what I'm looking for. (laughs) You got a a pair of jeans I can wash my car with?
1: (laughs) Oh, You got to buy them with the holes in them now. Wait
0: a minute. Here comes somebody from Australia. Let's just take this while they're writing it. All right. Hey, from Australia, guys, can you believe it's snowing here in the snowfields? Well, it always snows in the snowfields. That's why they call it the snowfield. We might have a white Christmas like you guys. God bless. Well, maybe it doesn't snow in the snowfields. Electronic music, they don't play instruments anymore. That's yeah, true. what do you think
1: of that? That's true. That's but true. didn't
0: they say that in the 80s when they started playing the uh, organ and, and rock and rollers were saying, hey, we don't need that sound. Well,
1: the difference is a lot of these these songs, if you want to call them songs, are made in people's bedrooms and basements. Yeah. All, all electronic, yeah, all digital.
0: Let's talk about the music that you spun at one of the most legendary places on the planet. Montego Bay, Belmont, New Jersey. What year did it open?
1: 1982, I believe. <clears throat> 81 or 82. From
0: 1982 to 1988?
1: Six, six years. Six years, yeah. Was
0: it 88 when it yeah, stopped? Is
1: it, was, it was 81 to 87, 82 to 88? Yeah, it was six years.
0: Well, I went there when I was out of high school, and I graduated in 81. I thought it opened in 83. 82?
1: I think 82, yeah.
0: One of the hottest places on the planet was, a, uh, was it considered a discotech? No. Dance club? Dance club. Yeah. After the word discotheque, dance club, Montego Bay, Belmont, New Jersey, it was the place to be because the music was MTV right out of the gate, and uh, everybody was in there with neon clothes if they wore clothes at all. (laughs) Everybody was from different parts of the tri-state areas, and we could not stop having fun. It's one of those clubs where it could be 300 degrees at two o'clock in the afternoon, you said, fuck the beach. And you went inside that That's club true. and said, give me an a iced tea. And it wasn't just iced tea. That's true. It was a Long Island iced tea. And you were buzzed yeah. within an hour. And he was the DJ there spinning music when music came in milk crates. Yes.
1: All <laughs> vinyl. Well, vinyl in back. the
0: milk crate. Yeah. Tell us about that era and your buddy and our buddy, Beta, yeah. who made us all happy. There goes somebody from Germany. Watch this, because she's a singer. This is Melissa Cross. She's a singer in Germany. Talk about an old soul. She's probably 22, 23 years old, and she loves Sinatra. Sinatra's birthday, I think, was yesterday. Hi, Mike. Wishing you a nice Christmas season. Greetings from Germany. Well, hello, Germany. It's nice to see you. He's a music producer. You you make your way to the United States. He's looking for some new talent. He's a new talent. I like that. He's going to put you on vinyl.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, you ask how it started you know as I said I knew early on that music had to be my life and I wound up working as a DJ and then got into the music industry but back to the DJ part uh, a friend of mine George knew someone who was building this club called Montego Bay in Belmar it wasn't even up when we went down there and the first weekend it was probably 48, 24, 48 hours before the club was scheduled to open, the walls weren't up yet. There was no dance floor, there was wood planks on the floor, and there were three DJs, George, Richie, and myself. And that was it. And that's how the club opened, and we rotated nights, and not only were there nights from Monday through um, through Sunday nights, but on Saturdays and Sundays was the, the famous Belmar-Montego Bay happy hour, which Unbelievable. went from 2 to 7. How'd you even get that job? through George George brought me down and um, I wound up uh, playing there and uh, we split as I said, we split the shifts between three of us. I was the 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 younger guy so I didn't get as many shifts that first year uh, but I was happy to be part of it. and uh, the next year George left and you mentioned Beta Beta uh, Don Ward, great guy from the Bronx and he uh, he he was a, uh, a lifeguard in Belmar. Yeah, and also an. an I met him when he was a lifeguard. Yeah, where I did was a Basketball six. player as well. Yeah, folks, and we're
0: talking about the Studio Fifty Four of the Beach. Yeah. It was only open for three to four months. Yeah. You had three months to get in your your game, and uh, at that time, you're talking about a neighborhood that was actually a one mile square radius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and they had 22 liquor licenses. It was one of the most unheard of things in any state yeah. for any one town to have that many liquor licenses. You could just imagine what was really going on and who got paid off to get those licenses. So you didn't have to get in a car to go anywhere. You could walk to a bar. There were bars everywhere. And then there were the three main places where you could go dancing. There was DJs, There was a which was more known for like a college type crowd. There was uh, Key Largo, which was known for like an in-between Guido slash college crowd. And then there was the legendary Montego Bay, which was, I'd say, a little bit more on the Guido side with a taste of locals Mm -hmm. and too much fun. It, It was just too much fun. People who would absorb the sun to go to the beach on the nicest days on the beach would say, screw the beach. Let's go in the club because the DJ played the right music. It made you happy. And then later on at night, it made you dance on a dance floor that was some kind of silver, stainless steel, steel, at the time people were trying to break dance and spin on their backs. And then there was this guy, Bita, who looked like Jesus. He really did. He looked like Jesus. He had these long black hair, a goatee. Uh, He was wearing nut huggers. You know, you're talking about a time where we were wearing those Capizios, uh, Shams the Baron. Everybody was wearing Druckard, Noir, wow. and and everybody had an rock. <laughs> sure. It was just Guido City, and it was cheap. It was inexpensive. You're talking about Long Island, Staten Island, Brooklyn, all the outer boroughs, and everybody from North Jersey. They just jammed into this place. The line would go around the block at 2 o'clock in the afternoon sure. so that you could get in there and get your... Um happy hour on and drinks were inexpensive you can get a blue drink and a green drink people it was would double drink size. right double size. it was crazy as yeah. like, big as this yeah. water bottle the drink was yeah. and that really it was and then you knew there was going to be a huge fight there was bounces everywhere jacked up on his on uh whatever it was that they took. Mr. New Jersey was there. The bartenders would do anything to get you a drink in lightning speed because they were making a shitload Incredible. of money. Yes.
1: Incredible The cash, them. Yeah.
0: It's like lightning speed. Yeah. And and quite honestly, you'd have to be extremely ugly not to walk out of that place with a hot-looking chick. I mean, come on. This was just like I I had to be 21, 22. I couldn't wait to go in there. You can go in there in the afternoon, meet somebody and go home and have fun and go back late at night and meet somebody else and um and half of me is kidding okay (laughs)
1: and and also too it it held 1500 people
0: i didn't know that yes 1500
1: and sometimes there were that many people online because we could tell how many people on how the line curved down fourth fourth avenue around ocean avenue
0: the line to get into this place there's pictures of it was insane so you had to know somebody that was working the door, and uh, we did. <laughs> I never waited in that line. I wouldn't even go. You're talking about, this is when Reeboks came out, the red ones, the pink ones, the blue ones. Velcro. You know Velcro came out at that time, too? Um, that you didn't have laces because you were too drunk. You could just Velcro your shoe <laughs> and uh, and all the crazy clothes that we were wearing if you wore clothes at all so we i have great footage of it and we're hoping we're going to make a documentary of it because it would be something that i think the world would enjoy seeing i have a lot of footage we're going to raise a certain amount of money and we're going to make that project and the story is going to be told by tony monte because he's a producer in the music business (laughs) tell everybody about your hit show though that's um taste
1: uh, celebrity Tastemakers.
0: Celebrity Tastemakers. Yes. Taste makers. yes and is. while we do that, because we're going to go into food now, yes. we want to do a nice shout-out to our friend Max's Pizza on Park Avenue, right here in Scotch Plains, for bringing us some nice, you said grandma. It looks like a grandma. It's a, it's this is a, actually a, a Sicilian pie, yes, yes. Grandma is a little bit
1: yes, flatter. Yes. This one's a little
0: bit uh, I, thicker know, and I puffy.
1: couldn't wait because pizza's my weakness, and I had a slice earlier, and it's outstanding. Max's? Max's yeah. Pizza.
0: Park Avenue here in Scotch Plains, New Jersey.
1: Excellent.
0: Thank you, Max. Yes.
1: I must say, too, Mike, we have coasters here. Yeah. What a treatment here.
0: Somebody, some people say I'm OCD or whatever that is. I just say I was brought up right. Mm -hmm. I make my bed every day and everything's neat and clean in my house. You know why? Because if I didn't, my mother kicked the shit out of me. You get it? A friend of ours just dropped by right now, and I have a funny feeling while we're talking about food, this might be a good time to see if there's any surprises that came into the house, because my friend makes these incredible cakes. And although we're not having company because we're practicing COVID awareness, every once in a while, a hand makes its way onto the show. Oh, would you look at that? Wow! <laughs> Isn't this fantastic? Yes, uh, turn, look at the, look at Home the, for the look holidays. Turn around, yeah. Oh, look at that, huh? Flowers. Look at that. Flo- oh, they're cupcakes. How's that? How fucked up is that? These are cupcakes. You could smell them. Smell them. Yeah. Yeah. Some people like to smell roses. I like to smell chocolate. That is chocolate. My friend, Marianne Axon, who you might know from that famous TV show that she was on. Shit, I can't think of the name of it. What was the name of it? She was on the Drew Barrymore Show. I've been trying for 30 years to get on a Drew Barrymore Show, but she got on in five minutes. There you go. She was on a a dating show, uh, um, episode that they had on the Drew Barrymore Show. She came down here tonight because... She wanted to bring me some special cupcakes. I never saw special cupcakes look like this in my entire life, but this is a way to butter me up because she wants to be on the podcast next Tuesday. Now I say yes. Hey, Marco, how you doing, you son of a bitch? Look what I get. Marco Asante, who is Armando Asante's cousin. Let's take a quick break, shall we? This looks really, really delicious. Yes. And I know everybody out there wishes they can have this and order this. Oh! Oh my God, the cake went all over my, my, my thing. (laughs) We'll be right back after this commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors, milk, milk does a body good. I fucked up the cupcakes. Hey, no, no, I don't need any help. We leave, we're going to do, Marianne, is there an area where you would actually like people to go to buy your cake?
1: No.
0: No? I'm retired. She retired. There don't for you. don't finger my laptop. <laughs> okay, so we're going to have
1: one. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Can, Can I just your jump in on something? Yes. Marco Asante?
0: Marco Asante. The Marco! You,
1: the two of you have incredible chemistry. I loved watching your web series, and I've always said to you, you have to continue doing that. The both of you are just great and play off each other incredibly well. Marco, outstanding. Marco,
0: yes. Asante, Asante, and I... Co-star in a TV series called "Make America Italian Again," produced by the same producer who produces this podcast, Tatiana Blushel, who's probably going to say, "Who brought those cupcakes?" Man, <laughs> you probably want one anyway. I'll mail it to you. Look at the size of no, that. That's, Look that's at the nice. size of the the oh. cream, the icing. Look at the all the icing on top of this cake. This is going to go right up my nostrils. Wait a minute. Wait for me. <laughs> Did you bring anything else? What's in that bag? Go. Very good. It? Holy shit! I can't even there find a side. I can't even. I can't even find a side of this to go into. <laughs> Fucked up my brand new laptop. It's got icing everywhere. Hold on a minute. This is coming to you live, not on tape. Send us money. I'm gonna need money now to pay for the broken laptop. <laughs> I could feel my arteries clogging. This is delicious, man. Look at that. Look at this. Look at all the hearts. Those cupcakes look delicious. They certainly are. Look at that. And we'll be right back after our sponsor, (laughs) um, Nestle's Quick. Remember Nestle's Quick? Yeah. Remember Oval theme?
1: Yeah,
0: Bosco. Bosco. That's older than Bosco, all of them. Yeah. You remember that? It came yes in like a, a bottle. Yes. And you poured it. Bosco.
1: Bosco. It cream,
0: there, was, there was a song. Bosco. I can't think of how it went. Mm. How how depressed were you when Montego Bay closed?
1: It it, it hurt. It really did. It was um, a part of of my life that I, I enjoyed so much, and it was, you know, first and foremost, the music, as I keep referring to, is what's always inspired me, and to be able to make a living uh, playing music is that was a dream. But the relationships that you knew we weren't just going to see these people anymore, and yep. that's that, that's what hurt. You know, Belmore. Belmar, New Jersey, uh, instituted a 12 o'clock closing for any liquor establishment. So being that outside of the Saturday and Sunday happy hours, which started at 2 in the afternoon, the club generally opened at 9 o'clock and opened till nine, from 9 till 2 a.m. So those last two hours, especially when you guys were going out at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Yep. Yep. You know, and they had a sister club, the Green Parrot, which was in Neptune, and that was a three o'clock closing. So once Matigo closed at two o'clock, you'd see this caravan driving to Neptune to get to the Parrot for that last hour. So yeah, no, it it hurt, but it was. Uh, it was what exactly
0: happened? Club. Why did they do that?
1: Because of the, uh, what, wait, the, the, because. Why the was
0: the twelve o'clock law implemented?
1: I believe that the town regretted the fact of all those liquor licenses that you've mentioned earlier. Yes and the town got overrun with kids, and the people who lived there year-round didn't like it anymore. And it was only three months, as you said, as well. This is
0: a town where they would rent out houses so that they could actually keep the house and make money. So they rented out the beach houses. That's why we called it down the shore. You went from North Jersey down south, down the shore. There was a time where it was for families, and then they turned into a time where it was for spring break, and that spring break lasted for three months. Mm-hmm. But it was so much damn fun. Yeah. Everybody was down there. So if you had, let's say, a two-bedroom, two-bathroom house, and you rented it out to four people, you would find when the summer was over, there was 30 people in that house, and they <laughs> trashed the living shit out of it, and you were screwed. So the town stepped in and said, okay, we're going to stop this, and we're going to kill your fund. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we'll make all the clubs in the area close at midnight this actually started to hurt so badly that the powerhouse clubs had to close completely. Then the local clubs, like DJs, ended up getting their stuff back and said, okay, well, you can open until 2 o'clock now because we're not doing this rat race. Guys like me and my brother actually owned our home, so we were caught between a rock and a hard place. I was 22 years old. I owned an 11-bedroom house with my brother in an area where it was kind of Uh, nicer than the area that was getting trashed and we kind of looked at ourselves like if the people don't come here and we can't rent out the house we can't afford this house yeah we're gonna lose it that's when we decided we will be the new Montego Bay and we'll make everybody come here so we rented our house out every summer to 18 people and we began the shore house and if you remember back in the day, everybody was nicknaming their house.
1: Club Nine Hundred.
0: Club Nine Hundred. They were Nine Hundred Ocean Avenue. Yep. We were the Shore House. S U R E. You were sure to have a good time. There was the Farmhouse. There was the uh, the, the, uh, Nutley the, Nutley. the Nutley the, the, Loft. Nutley yeah. Loft. Everybody was naming their house. Basically, like a frat.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Where'd you yeah. stay? I lived in Belmar, right on the ocean. Oh, you did? Yeah, right over the bridge. Um, uh, Actually, one of the years there, I lived with um, a guy, still a very dear friend, Kenny Lenoci, And Kenny is an exceptional bartender, as were many of them at, at Montego, you know, Mike Duffy, and God rest his soul, Ray Ray, and just so many of them. And Kenny, his aunt had a house, and in the back, what do they have? A bungalow. A bungalow. So we stayed in the bungalow. And then I wound up, uh, he connected me with one of his aunts, and I wound up getting an apartment there all year round, so.
0: Is bungalow a Jersey thing? No, no, they said that in California. The actors would stay in bungalows. Bungalows, Yeah, yeah. We got to make that project happen, because I know a lot of people out there would have a lot of fun watching an old school beach movie that took place in the 80s for real. It really existed. And before we get any older, we're gonna to have to do that because we're all starting to lose family members and friends from back in the day. That we that not only did they nickname their house, but they had nicknames. You mm-hmm. know, grow up in Jersey City, you had uh, Johnny Frieda. We I think we called him Tough Toe. We were afraid of him. He lived up the block from us, and he was a, a scary dude. He was like a, what
1: a, a butch.
0: What a yeah, now you know he's in the series. Yeah. Make America yeah. Italian yeah. again. Yeah. He's not even an actor. He just looked the role. I'm like, listen, pick up a baseball bat. Yep, you're in. You're in. Yeah, you, you got it. And I love the, uh, the that type of a, a character. Yes.
1: And Johnny DJs as well.
0: Yes, yeah. he does. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. No.
1: But you, you had asked me about the, the show. and. Yes, you know, why strange. we got sidetracked by eating
0: these cupcakes.
1: Yes, which were, again, very good. Uh, but the reason why it, I just thought of it again, because it, it goes back to music. I was at Capitol Records at the time. And um, I always learned in corporate, you become close with two departments, IT and finance. IT, because if something goes down, you need somebody there to help you. And finance, you need to get all your vendors paid. And um, I met someone at Capitol Records who uh, worked in the IT department, um, and you know her, Melinda. And we, we, well actually I came up with this concept of having long form video conversations with musicians, kind of like Inside the Actors Studio, the old James Lipton show that was on Bravo. I always felt that was great, and I thought that that would work for music, and we we had these hour-long conversations with recording artists, and the business model was we would cut them into two segments, and we would give them to radio stations as content for their websites. Now, this was maybe 17, 18 years ago before YouTube was doing what they're doing now, or what it's doing now, I should say, and it started to—I guess you can say—the traction turned into momentum. And a very dear friend, Sukanya Krishnan, uh, who was uh, at that time the morning anchor at Channel 11, introduced me to the then general manager, Eric Meyerowitz, incredible guy until this day, one of my dearest friends, and he liked what we were doing, what Melinda and I were producing. Now again this is one thing I would recommend people if you're doing a business find somebody with a completely different set of strengths she was on a technical side I was on a different side where is Melinda now Melinda's in California she's, she's in California. your neighbor yes um so so Eric put this that we were syndicating to to radio station websites on the channel 11 website and we became close and he called me one time and said uh, listen I just got through with my budgets I'm going to Atlantic City for a weekend just to kind of chill out. You want to meet me down there? And I did. And the first night out was sitting, having dinner at Chef Vola's, one of my favorites down there. Actually, my favorite. And he says, you know, I really like this web series. What else are you working on? And I was telling him how we were going to build it out and do other things. And he just looked and said something like, I think you got bigger ideas than that. I said, I don't know, Eric. i got an idea for a TV show. He goes, what is it? And I gave him this concept of a TV show. And I'll never forget, he looked across the table, pointed his finger almost at my nose, and said, I'm going to put that on TV. And my response was, the only thing I know about television is how to watch it. (laughs) He said, I've seen your web series. Uh, You'll figure it out. And he gave us 10 months and a lot of trial and error. And we debuted Celebrity Tastemakers on New York's Pix 11. um, And we were on the station for seven years. Uh, Three Emmy nominations, which I give a lot of credit to our crew with, and uh, we did a year with NBC, and right now um, uh, I was picked up by an agency, United Talent Agency, UTA in L.A., and my agent is shopping the show, hopefully to a bigger platform.
0: And I'm hoping it's going to go, because everybody loves a good cooking show with great conversations. Yes. Maybe you can actually get Marianne on your show as a guest, because she made these incredible cupcakes. (laughs) that I actually just had a Coca-Cola and a cupcake. I'm gonna be up all night. I got a plane to catch tomorrow morning at five. There this is go.
1: perfect. So so yeah, so what it was, we, we pick up a celebrity in a vehicle. They would tell our host, Lisa Mateo, who hosted the show brilliantly for seven years, uh, they'd tell her where they'd like to go for a meal, driving to the restaurant. She'd have a conversation with, the, with them about their career. Um, at the restaurant, the chef would show how to make the celebrity's meal in a recipe segment. Then the owner of the restaurant, Lisa, and the celebrity guests would each toge- eat together and continue the conversation. So I always looked at it more of a conversation show than food. And it's something back to music. When I worked in the rec- at the record companies, or in the music industry, I found out I got more done with our artists Traveling with them and eating with them because it was kind of undistracted time and they opened up more freely about what was on their mind And I felt that if we can put our celebrity guests in a situation of traveling and eating Not that it's gonna let their guard down, but it's gonna give them a chance to kind of open up a little freer. and I think that works
0: the way I am you put yes. cupcakes in front of me. I'm yes. gonna eat them and I got weird questions, too. I don't think I'm supposed to be eating these little red things that are on this flower yeah, thing. Those- am I? No, oh, shit. I'm eating the wrong part of the, the fucking <laughs> cupcake. Holy shit. I'm going to turn into an ornament. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can watch Celebrity Tastemakers well, now.
1: Right now. Excuse
0: me. <laughs> See what happens when you got eat and you talk.
1: <laughs> yes, and I should learn from over 100 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, the last deal we did was with NBC, and it was, we debuted with NBC in all six New England states in January of 2020, and in February is when COVID hit, so we couldn't film anymore after that, and uh, they aired, they aired old episodes, reruns, uh, over the course of that year, and in that time was when I connected with Andrew at UTA, and uh, we took the show down, and to not kind of dilute it since we weren't, weren't I hate filming it. that,
0: I, but what about people who want to watch the reruns?
1: Well, you know, as he's shopping it, Mike, and you know this better than anyone because you understand the value of content, we have a library that we own, <clears throat> and this is something, again, all roads with me lead back to the music industry, that I learned that Melinda and I own the show outright. We are equal 50-50 partners. Our company's called Melanti, Melinda and Monty. And by the way, things that I do now, my company's called Marion Section. Marion Section, that's cool. own that name, yes. Um, And I learned in the music industry that artists that recorded for years couldn't do exactly what they wanted to do with their recordings because they didn't own them. Record labels owned them. So we robbed Peter to pay Paul and produced and financed all our shows.
0: That's fantastic because, as you know, Uh, A couple Saturday nights ago, while I was performing at NJ Pack, someone was filming the show. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, while I was performing, okay, I'm going to have to stop this person somehow without getting the audience to hate me because I'm going to be the bad guy now. So I said, hey, you know, why don't you just hang out with us and we'll all stay here together and put your phone down? It's not that big of a deal. Come on, you don't need to keep on filming. And she said, I'm not filming, I'm live streaming. I thought I was going to have a fucking heart attack. That's really when you feel like, oh, now you're really out of your mind. And how come all these union people didn't go over there and say, get the fuck out of the club? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I said, oh, gee, that's a great way for me to start working at Home Depot. Why pay to see the show when you could just watch your thing? In fact, why don't we just go ahead and close the theater? It's, people don't videotape other entertainers. Unless you're way in the back and there's 15,000 people and you're videotaping Bruce Springsteen. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Don't videotape an up-close performer. I mean, that's what happened, I forgot what year, but Napster is the one that Mm -hmm. first started destroying the residual check. Mm -hmm. And now everybody does it, so.
1: But, you know, I, I will say one thing, too, from that show. We went down to Atlantic City this past weekend to see back to music a band Greta Van Fleet who I like very very much I've seen them about six times and I've watched them grow from playing at the Bowery bar to now selling out venues like Atlantic City but we wound up eating in a restaurant and our waiter's name was Giovanni and all I could think of when he said his name was G.I. Giovanni because of you and that's what we saw Couple of weeks before, so for the rest of the night we (laughs) called him G.I.G. Giovanni. He wanted to know why, and I says, "Look up Mike Marino, and you'll find out." I'm
0: performing this uh, Thursday night Mm -hmm. in uh, Canada, and the guy performing with me, his name is Giuseppe. Mm -hmm. They call him Giuseppe the MC. So I said on a talk show, "I'm saying I'm playing with Giuseppe the MC," and he called me up. He goes, "Mike, listen, it's not Giuseppe. It's Giuseppe." Giuseppe. And I go, I mean, come on. He goes, you're so fucking American. (laughs) All right, listen. A nice shout out. I hope I don't drop this again. Isn't this beautiful? This is one of the nice displays of cupcake I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know what I'm going to do with all these flowers when I'm done eating these cupcakes in the next half hour. (laughs) But my friend Marianne Axon, we're going to have you on the show. and We're going to talk about all the cupcakes that you've brought down to the basement, because she always comes with great cupcakes. She came down to the basement once with these cupcakes, and you take this little bottle, looks like a, a beaker bottle, mm-hmm. like from a science fiction movie, and you take it up and you pour it on your cupcake, and then you eat your cupcake, nice. and it's it gets you drunk, yeah. Okay. Moonshine, yeah. It was moonshine Moonshine <laughs> cupcake with a gummy bear. You get stoned while you nice. eat the cake. And then when you get stoned, when you eat the cake, what do you do? You eat the rest of the cakes because you're stoned. That's my type of cake. Hey, listen, we got to get going, but let's do some shout-outs. I mean, let's take in some questions before we go. Were you trying to read?
1: Yeah. Without glasses, <laughs> that's not going
0: to happen. All right. Let's get some questions for Tony Monty right here, right now. Here's Susie Yango from Catch a Rising Star, and she's Good saying week. her sister, Laura Yango, yes. used to hang around with Little Tony. They called little you Tons. Little Tony. Yes, Everybody in young. Jersey City had a, had a name. <laughs> this is our friend Teresa. She sent us 200 cents. Teresa did another 200 cents. Thank you, Joe Camarillo. didn't send any money. And Mike Marino sent another 200 cents. 99 cents from Don, uh, Kevin Donaldson. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a talk show that's going to be airing, I think. He's going to tell me anyway. right now now. it's airing right now i'm on another podcast the kevin donaldson podcast it's called the suffering and you can watch it at where youtube it's on youtube forward slash at the suffering
1: suffering. podcast
0: Podcast. at the suffering podcast thank you for the great entertainment yo mike how you doing hey everybody how you doing we were asking for questions those are statements but thank you um (laughs) Right now, you could watch me on another podcast. Kevin Donaldson uh, was a police officer at one time. He has a great podcast. It's called The Suffering. And it's called The Suffering because a lot of people are going through a lot of different things. So if you watch this program, you might find yourself a little help. I actually got pulled over by a police officer last night. I was on my yeah. way home from doing another podcast with my friend Leah Guy. And uh, I pulled out, and I'm going down the road and a cop car. Put the lights on and pulled me over, and I pulled them over immediately because I know what it's like to be um, in this particular situation. So I pulled over as fast as I possibly could, put my hands on the wheel. Are you paying attention, ladies and gentlemen, for all you assholes out here who say you're not supposed to give your license to a cop when he asks for it? pay attention you wrote in a contract that it's what you wanted you signed the contract says you give me that license i'll do what the police officer says so i put my hands like this he comes over and he shines the light into the car i'd never really been pulled over with the cop coming over to the passenger side but because of the freeway that we were on or the highway it made sense he was making it safe for himself and he was a jersey state trooper and you know what he said to me he goes i pulled you over because you were crisscrossing the line I wanted to make sure you were okay. Can I see your credentials? Huh? And I handed him my license and my insurance and my registration just that fast. Then he says to me, can I ask you where you're coming from and where are you going? And I said, yes. I'm a celebrity comedian, and I just finished a funny podcast, and I'm getting ready to go and do another one. And this weekend, I'm doing a big fundraiser for the Jersey (laughs) State Troopers. (laughs) I'm only kidding. I didn't say none of that. I wanted just to see what the cop would do. He went back to his car. Within five minutes, he came back over, and he handed me everything. He goes, be careful, and I drove away. Now, do you know why the cops pulled me over? He thought maybe I had been drunk. Maybe he thought I was falling asleep behind the wheel. He actually was pulling me over for the reasons of maybe something was wrong with me. What if I was having a heart attack? That type of a thing, and he was a gentleman. I have at least 20 PBA cards in my car. I have uh, a badge in my car that says LAPD Reserve. You name it, it's in my car. And if I wanted to, I could have said, hey, can I get a little political courtesy? But I didn't have to. Just do what you're supposed to do, and you're on your way. Yeah. Yep. Oh,
1: you feel I did
0: way. say, hey, you're cute. Do
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mind if I ask you a question?
0: Yes, take, take it away.
1: I have watched you perform for many years now. I still laugh my ass off. I love going to see you. I wish I could see you even more. And we all have influences and you asked me about, you know, my music and things like that. What's your Mount Rushmore comedy? Uh <clears throat> what for do you feel?
0: Rodney Dangerfield. Okay. Andrew Dice Clay. Okay. Mm. Um, What was the Italian guy in New York back in the day? He was my mother's favorite comedian. Pat Cooper. Cooper. Pat Cooper. And I'm going to say Dom Irera. Oh, okay. These were unbelievable comedians. If I had to put one more in there, rest in peace, uh, Richard Jenny. These are comedians that uh, are just sensational, folks. Unbelievable. Richard Jenny had 12 uh, HBO specials and then... He just was unhappy with his life, and he committed suicide. Yeah. He was 50 years old. I never, I'll never forget it. I was with him at the Laugh Factory. Two weeks later, somebody called me up and said, Rich uh, shot himself in the head. Mm. And I was like, wow. Sometimes I, you know, we'll all wonder why certain entertainers or anybody does massive mm-hmm. amounts of drugs or why people do something to, to off themselves. Um, sometimes I think it's what people say to you. If you don't have a strong coat of armor in this world, people can fuck you up. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, if you see someone who's entertaining, just say, that was great. Don't say anything else. I did a show about a month ago in, in Los Angeles, and one of the opening acts bombed so badly. It was brutal. I don't know why he chose this particular joke, but he's new. So somebody went over to him and said, you'll never play this club again. Another person said, you better rethink your life. How do you know this guy's not going to go outside and blow his brains out? Mm-hmm. Why not just say, um, see you again? Yeah. It's none of your business.
1: And, and You know, Mike, it goes further, and it, I always look at it as how people are brought up. It goes to a server in a restaurant, a busboy, somebody that checks you out in the store. It really doesn't hurt to acknowledge when they do something good because they damn sure hear it when they don't. Yes you know I, I have one more for you okay no I'm just curious because I've never I've never asked you some of these things take your family away if you could perform in front of one person living or dead who would who would it be
0: well, I always used to really enjoy performing in front of Danny Ayala. really yeah. Well, I don't know what it was man he, loved he just you. made yeah, me feel so yeah. good yeah. he we, I, I remember when I first met him and he called me to that club in Hoboken and he Mm -hmm. said, you know, can you come over to the club? I have a club down here. And that's where I met uh, Frank and Nick Villalonga and their father and that's where I was meeting all those guys. And I couldn't believe Danny Aiello called me and said, come perform at my place. And I walked into the place and he was standing in front of everybody and he almost goes, that's him." That's the heavyweight champ of comedy right there, Mike yeah. Marino. And like, holy shit, yeah. fucking Danny Aiello. Yeah. Then we became friends, and uh, I was supposed to do the pilot, and mm-hmm. he was going to play my father, and then he, yeah. then he passed away. Yeah. And I have a lot of footage with him and I hanging out in the car when he was singing all those songs. Right. I never posted it. I have a funny feeling today, I think, was his birthday yes. or the anniversary. Yeah. His birthday? Because his granddaughter yeah. posted yeah. And I have. wanted to say something, but I didn't. I'm very uh, very different when it comes to my celebrity friends. I mm-hmm. stay very quiet about it. Maybe let's mention it right here now on the show, okay. what happened at NJPAC. I didn't post anything. Folks, um, we were doing this show at NJPAC. NJPAC is the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark, New Jersey. It's probably... Mm-hmm one of, if not the most famous performing arts theater in the state of New Jersey. agree. It's in Newark and uh, it plays the best of the best. The biggest names in the world play there. Smokey Robinson's doing a show there Mm -hmm. soon. Big names like that. So uh, Nick Villalonga and his brother Frank, who are the writers of the book, uh, the movie Green Book, which is about their father, Tony Lip. They came to see the show. We're acquaintances, we're friends. And I made an announcement that there was an Oscar winner sitting in the audience. We were backstage laughing and joking and taking pictures, and all we talked about was getting together for lunch within the next few days to talk about a TV show. Well, as luck would have it, Frank Villalonga passed away. We won't even get into what happened. I just didn't really think it was real, I didn't think it was my place to put up a post because everybody was posting that the death of frank villalonga of course being tragic it was saying where they were the night before Mm -hmm. and that was at the mike marino show at nj pack and that just fucked my head up i got an email a text message from the brother nick and he said i'm sad to say my brother's gone but at least the last night we spent together was at your comedy show and frank was happy and i just was like So when all the other people were posting, and it was on TMZ, and it was in the New York Post, and it was in all of these magazines, I said, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I know what was really going on, and uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably eventually going to put up a post because the pictures are great of us all backstage laughing and having fun, maybe a memorial of course, I sent flowers and donations to the family in the funeral, but I just didn't feel like it was my position to say anything. And the same thing happened when Danny Aiello passed away. Yeah. Two weeks before he passed away, we were at lunch making videos. Yeah. So I, I didn't say anything. I didn't show anybody any of those videos. I think if I did, the granddaughter is just going to cry her yeah. eyes out because they're touching. They,
1: they love, do you know how I became partners with him? No. We were at a, we were at a meeting, my partner Melinda and I, and it was uh, on 14th Street. And we walked out of the meeting and we were just given the green light to our show. So, in addition to having to learn how to produce a TV show, we also had to wind up figuring out who's gonna be, who we're going to get guests big enough to be on the show. And I never forget, I just looked, I said, there's Danny Aiello. He was across the street. And I walk up to him, I said, Mr. Aiello, can I have a couple minutes of your time? And he says, what can I do for you, kid? And I said, well, first of all, I says, um, you know, I had just come from Capitol Records and blah blah blah, and I says, yeah, you know, 29th Street's one of my favorite movies ever, and I just loved that. And I says, I went from the music industry into television, and I'd like you to be a guest on the show. And he was with his um, his guy, Louis Louis Bullecherry, <laughs> Louis, yeah, great, great guy, Louis. And uh, he says. Give Louis your your information, and within 24 hours, Louis called me, and Danny's going to do your show. And I think Louis had a lot to do with that as well. And um, after we filmed with Danny, he picked a restaurant. Of of course, he picked a friend of his restaurant to help the guy out. That was Danny. And he said um, he would call me week after week after week, and say, "Hey, kid," and he always called me Anthony. Your show's getting better. Keep on doing it, and you need that encouragement whether it's from family, you know, Lisa, whomever, just really, really uh, inspire you to move on. You need that in your life. And Danny was one of those people outside of family that encouraged. And I finally said to him, I says, Danny, you've been so gracious. Would you like to be my partner in the show? And he actually didn't know what to say. He says, I'd be honored. And from that moment on, we, we were partners.
0: Sad when uh, special people in our lives start uh, leaving the planet.
1: Yeah, but they leave behind, uh, you know, there's a saying, it's something like it's not, uh, what is this, not what you've said to people or what you've done to people, but it's how you made them feel. And Danny made people feel a special way.
0: Well, we hope we all made you feel special tonight. Yes. We definitely yes. got been going. Yes. We've been talking yeah. way too long. <laughs> Italians take a long time to say goodbye to each other. It's going to take us another hour before he walks out of the house. <laughs> Big shout out to our promoters out there in Chicago because I'm on my way to Chicago this weekend. And there it is. Hardcore Italians, thank you so much, you guys out there. I can't wait to see you. I'm coming out to Toronto, Canada this Thursday night, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be at the Zoetic Theater in Hamilton, Ontario. And then on Friday night, I will be at a special fundraiser that's already sold out that's going to be in the St. Charles area of Chicago. And then Sunday night, December 18th, me and this young man, Lil Mo Mozzarella, who's all over the Internet making a big name for himself. We're going to be at the Displanes Theater in Displanes, Illinois. Everything else is at MikeMarino.net. Thank you so much for hanging out with us down here in the basement. On behalf of my friend Tony Monte, we're going to say goodnight. Remember, folks, make America Italian again. The motto is you don't know nothing, you don't see nothing, you don't say nothing. And how do I end every single one of my broadcasts by always saying the same thing? Don't, Don't take, take no, no shit from, from nobody. nobody. <laughs> all right, good night. Ciao. Thanks for listening to live from my mother's basement with me, Mike Marino. Make sure you log on to all my social media at Mike Marino Live on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.